And thanks to Cry Malt, live from the floor of Gabs, the great Australasian beer spectacular, this is Radio Brews News. As ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague and host of the Craft Beer College at Gabs, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome to Radio Brews News. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. G'day, Gabs. It's good to be uh, here with you live, because the, the, the thing I miss, I think, most about uh, when I'm recording from Melbourne and you're recording from Brisbane um, is that you, you don't get the eye contact and you don't get that sort of, you know, the intimacy, shall I say, <laughs> and in, a very, in a very manly and beerly way. Um, whereas I don't get to the constant eye rolling. Yes. <laughs> that I'm sure takes place from your end of the final. Yeah, and look, another, uh, you know, un, unforeseen advantage might be, uh, you know, I can do things like this. <laughs> uh, That's a wind-up signal, because Pete's forgetting that it is radio, he's giving me the wind-up signal. Wind-up and a cut-off, you know. And the, you know, how's your good beer week, mate? Quiet, mate. Yeah, busy, but quiet. You know, a lot, a lot yes. of racing around, a lot of chatting to people. You can't walk more than 15 feet without getting into the next conversation it is a, it's a great opportunity to catch up um, but you really do need to have a certain on the ballness about you uh, and and be fairly nimble just to remember and to track all the information and who you've spoken to and what's coming up and all that sort of thing well as you know I don't worry about such social niceties <laughs> straight through to the keeper it is with Matt <laughs> I've had uh, look it, it was terrific this year for the first time uh, I was honored to be uh, offered uh, a spot as a judge at the Australian International Beer Awards so my good beer week really sort of started uh, Wednesday Thursday Friday of last week uh, for the first time, the awards were, the, were, were judged back-to-back with the awards presentation dinner, uh, with, with just a sort of four days apart where there would normally be four weeks apart. Uh, and as a result, uh, I think there was a, there was a great um, spirit, there was great revelry and, uh, and a really good camaraderie. And it also meant that some of those uh, judges, instead of having to fly back home and then, oh, look, I can't make it back again for Good Beer Week, are already here. So there's a buzz around town. There are events that are well publicised and, um, and and well populated. Uh, and there's just it's just been a great a great feel. It, it, it always is a is a great feel. But you, you talked about uh, you made the A team for the uh, judging this year. You've gravi- you know, graduated from uh, stewarding to uh, to judging. And uh, last night at the, we we were recording this on Friday, it'll go up Friday night, but listeners will listen to it whenever they listen to, but last night we had the Australian International Beer Awards, beforehand I caught up with the Chief Judge of the Australian International Beer Awards, and also Head Brewer down at Little Creatures, uh, Warren Pawsey. And we, we, we might go to this interview, Prof, because he had some very interesting things. You and I have sort of chatted in the past about... Much discussion. About if, much if, discussion. If you're going where I think you're about going. About session IPAs. And Warren Pawsey had a few interesting things to say about session IPAs. So we might catch, uh, go, to, go to my chat with Warren, during which he talked about session IPAs, and uh, I'll catch you on the, uh, on the back side. Warren Pawsey, Chief Judge of the Australian International Bureau Woods. Welcome to uh, Radio Brews News. Warren, you've just taken us through a selection of the gold medal and trophy winning beers at this year's uh, Australian International Beer Awards. What are some of the, 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 the trends that you've noticed or that the judges have fed back? What was the most popular style this year? It, when you get to the trophy round, um, so in classes the beers were all very good, but when you get to the trophy round, the judges like the big flavoured beers. Like we did tonight when we tasted, the lagers are good, they're very delicate, but when you get to the big ones, everyone's ooing and ahhing. I guess overall, the quality was the biggest comment, or the lack of poor quality was the, the comment that I was hearing. Is, did you see that as a sign that the industry is improving and moving and that the, the skills are growing, or that people are becoming more selective about the beers that they enter? 
I don't know because I don't know where the beer came from when it comes in. Uh, so if it's an international, we could be flooded with American beers, a brewery that's been operating 20 years. Um, it's hard to tell. I'm hopeful that the, the level of skill and the technical knowledge is getting built in Australia and we're seeing that coming through in beer quality. What does, on the consumer in, in, in the shop, I see that uh, Beer Bottle has got a, an Australian International Beer Award 2015 gold medal on the label. What is that telling me? Um, is, is it the best beer in the, in the fridge or is it just a, um, like a, a really good standard of that style? So uh, if you're in the marketing department, they'll love it, uh, that gold medal. I think it's, a, it's more than a quality mark. It's telling you that uh, some international judges have assessed that beer and it's best in its class. A gold medal in that class, if you understand, if the consumer understands that, well, I'm looking for a German-style Pilsner and, hey, that got AIBA uh, Best Pilsner Award, then it's going to be a, a, a good example because some very highly qualified beer judges have have assessed it and said that is true to style. If you're looking for a porter and you see that and go, no, that's not what I'm looking for. But I think if, you, if, you're, if the consumer's looking for, I'm looking for a nice lager or I'm looking for a porter and the AIBA judges said this is a good one, I think that's, there's a lot of value there. Finally, I, I believe when we were talking earlier that the IPA was the leading style. Um, there was a development. We've seen this, the style has been coming back, and we, we've seen the invention of what's called the session uh, session uh, IPA. Session IPAs came can, out can, of the can, states. Can, yep. can you describe what a session IPA is to me? Sure. Uh, so uh, we had the arms race for bitterness and alcohol in America for IPAs. Uh, when I lived in America in the late 90s, everyone made pale ale. A few odd people made IPA. Five years later, that turned into my IPA is bigger than yours. I've got more hops, got more alcohol. It's not a very saleable or marketable product. So while I might have a bigger BU than you, I'm not selling too much. So very quickly, we saw session IPAs because the IPAs in their current state were not sessionable. So now we see session IPAs. So when I go back to America, I've talked to a few judges and we call them, but didn't we used to call this pale ale when we made it back in the 90s? And I was corrected by one judge, no, Warren, it's out of balance pale ale. Or well, the marketers would call it hop forward IPA. Hop forward, hop forward yeah. pale ale. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say it was out of balance. They'd say <laughs> it's a hop forward. But when you judge them, it's the, it, the style guideline reads like the old pale ale ones, but without, with this huge hop note of aroma and flavour, but not the bitterness and not the alcohol and not the body. So. Finally, and we're about to go out to the awards, yep. but was there a gold medal awarded in the Australian uh, Pale Ales this year? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Terrific. Yes. Hey, actually, on that, because um, last year we, we did talk about the, the, the ever-evolving ev, you know, um, story of style, and you know, Cooper's for a long time was the defining character of the Australian Pale Ale. Um, we've seen a lot more aromatic Australian Pale Ales coming out. Are we going to gradually see a skewing or a morphing of the style? If someone labels their beer this is a Pale Ale, the consumer in Australia doesn't really know what that is. Some people call it a Cooper style, lots of yeasty body character, no hops. Some people call it a very strong, fruity, hoppy character. There isn't a definition that everyone agrees because it's a new style, so it's evolving. What we tried to do this year, got a little committee of brewers together and we wrote what we thought and we basically took out all the, the really strong descriptors and opened it up a bit to try and incorporate more 
beer styles in. I think it's evolving and I don't know, I think it's gonna take a bit more time before, so American pale ale's easy. It's citrusy, it's hoppy, it's Sierra Nevada. Uh, we've got a bottom out, I think we had this historical pale ale which was Cooper's and I think with hops, the hop growth of hop varieties in Australia, we are seeing that changing. But I, I, I'm not the guy that makes the decision. The public do. Watch this space over the next couple of years. Yeah, it, you know, who knows? Australian, with our uh, following so closely following the American market, we might find a pale ale taste like an Australian version of Sierra Nevada. Who knows? Uh, that'd be unfortunate because pale ale used to, when I was young, pale ale used to be Cooper's. But, you know, that's the market. Warren Posey, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Bridge News. Thank you very much. So, Prof, um, now I have to say that... that was, that a, was that a setup? No, no, it, was there ad- any element of setup or ad-lib uh, rehearsal, um, make it sound like an ad-lib? No, no, no. It, 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 That's it, straight from the head judge's it, mouth. Well, we were doing the from tasting. his lips to God's ears. <laughs> we, we were doing the tasting, and we, we've got all of this on record, because Lockie, uh, our producer Lockie, who's in Melbourne with us, had the tape running. And during the tasting, Warren Poise, said... As you heard, the question was yeah, about IPAs. Yeah, was. He said there was this category of session, IPA. session IPAs, or as in my day we used to call it a pale ale. Although somebody in America told me an unbalanced pale ale. And I, it, it, you it, can't you write like, that stuff. No, no. It, no it, oh, look, I believe that it's it, a, does, Matt, does that now put the uh, issue to bed? It's now come from the head judge of the Australian International Beer Awards. Can we now drop the topic of session IPA? Well, a session keep IPA. Keep drinking them. Keep enjoying keep, keep, them. Keep, look, if you enjoy them, but please don't tell me that it is a style. It is a set style, which was once upon a time known as an American IPA, American pale ale. Can it perhaps be a, a well unbalanced? A, a hop forward. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll call it <laughs> an extraordinarily hop forward IPA, which might be where the XPA comes from. All right, let's let's not mess with style. What else have we got? Hey, talking of style though, and uh, something that we might uh, just picking up from a former Sam, um, Sam Foster's outfit last night. Or no, 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 no. Is that clearly well worn, or yours or mine? Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about. Uh, so the big issue, style or beer. Now, it might interest our listeners to know that so Thunder Road Brewing has uh, brought out a Pacific Ale. Thunder Road Pacific Ale. Thunder Road Pacific Ale. Stonerwood Brewery some months ago, or some years ago, uh, trademark or sought to trademark Pacific Ale. It's taken some time. Um, as, as it turns out, yesterday, uh, I, I don't fully understand the mechanics of the trademark process, but reading the IP Australia website today, Pacific Ale has been accepted as a trademark. It is a registered trademark, trademark. to Stone and Wood. It was advertised yesterday. So is that end of story? Well, or is it's, it's just, just been beginning? accepted as a trademark, according to IP Australia. Um, I, I guess well, does, anyone... that, does that cover anything that comes from now, or does it mean that anything else existing after Stone and Wood is also unacceptable? Well, well it's... That's what, that seems to me be why you have the IP Australia trademark. So you can see that somebody is creating this trademark, somebody has registered this trademark. You can lodge a, if you think that they have a reason not to, you can lodge a okay. stop. It's been accepted. It's always up to somebody who may have an interest to dispute that in court. They're, they're welcome to do that. but. In follow-up, so, so it would seem to be Pacific Ale has been accepted as a legitimate trademark by IP Australia. 
Um, Thunder Road Brewing, which has a Thunder Road Brewing Company, um, Pacific Ale. Won a silver medal for that beer yesterday in the Australian Pale Ale style. Was it that beer? It was. Uh, their, their Before it was beer, called. Their, their, no, their, their, their draft beer, their Thunder Road Pacific Ale, was registered, was entered as an Australian Pale Ale. Right. And it took a silver medal. Oh, silver, sorry, yes. And it took a silver medal. The second or fermentation series Pacific Ale, which is brewed in Belgium, and bottled in Belgium, but as Thunder Road Pacific Ale won a bronze in the Australian Pale Ale class. Stone and Woods Pacific Ale, the original Pacific Ale, won silver in the English Summer Ale class. So the idea that Pacific Ale is a style, I, at least in my view, and I'm no judge. The Thunder Road perhaps just been hoist upon their own petard. Well, because they've won an, they, they've won a silver medal out of style, or no. well, yes, yes, for a so, beer that so, doesn't fit the style. Well, that they claim as a style. There, there certainly seems this to be is plenty of style categories that Pacific that a beer called Pacific Ale uh, could be entered in. Could be entered into other than other than the style Pacific category of Pacific Ale. Ale. Yes. So anyway, um, more to come, I'm sure. We're, 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 Stay we're, tuned, listeners. We will follow your story down every rabbit hole. Oh, sorry, no, uh, no, not no. a white rabbit or a dark <laughs> rabbit, just a nondescript <laughs> generic <laughs> rabbit. We have posted that. But anyway, so we now uh, we also caught up earlier today with uh, last night at the Australian National Beer Awards. Speaking about beer awards, um, had had to pass the mantle of Australia's leading beer writer. It's, it's, it's not a beer. perpetual trophy, though, is it? I mean, no. you, you you still get to keep the Matt Kirkregard uh, <laughs> Memorial Inaugural Award. I was the no, no. And so to Alyssa and, and Danny and, and Anne, they were they were highly mortified that they when they realised they had misspelled your name and it was rectified as as Ale of the as Times possible. trophy was misnamed as On, well. Uh, so we are we're seeing a uh, we are seeing a tradition. They are nothing if not consistent when it comes <laughs> to the media award for the Australian International so Beer Awards. And you, so you've you've let the cat out of the bag. I, I was sitting next to Luke uh, Robertson. Robertson, yeah. um, who was named the 2015 good friend of the program media has written um, for us he had, well I wouldn't say I discovered him but so far Australian Brewers contributors two out of two and special mention to Sam Fletcher Leitu gone flabble on Twitter and I won't that means little cabbage a bit of cabbage yeah, or um, cauliflower little cauliflower sorry um, and uh, Sam was a, a runner up so Australian Brewers News is certainly setting the benchmark for beer writing, although Luke didn't enter any of this Australian Brewers News article, so he's obviously holding the good stuff to himself. But um, yes, congratulations to, uh, to very much Well Luke. deserved. Well, very, very well deserved. And uh, I caught up with uh, Luke earlier during the, the first session, and uh, here's what he said. Yeah, it's exciting and exciting to be here, I guess, as an, an, an award winner. Congratulations. As uh, One of my favourite quotes is a, uh, a writer who influenced me very early in my career was Ben Canada. I'm not sure if... Uh, you young people would know who he was, but uh, it was a big thing uh, 10 or so years ago, and Ben used to list his biography as being a mono award-winning uh, beer writer, so I, I, I think that's a nice little shorthand. So I didn't steal that off you then when I've been saying it. Uh, if someone else started it, so that's, that's good, because I've, I've been saying that a lot and crediting you, but I'll credit him now. <laughs> yes, no, well, I, I credited him, so I guess by default you credited him as well. Yeah, I'm sure it works out somehow. <laughs> Mate, just, I guess you've just won the award as a beer writer or a beer trophy. Um, 
and, and it was for your writing because I believe you submitted. Uh, I, I was a judge, and yeah. I can't give too much of the deliberations away. But you did submit your writing, not your podcast. Yeah, I think we submitted both. But looking at the the comments, the the judges for summary was for the writing that that got through. So yeah, which is great because that's how I started, and, and that's kind of how I see myself. I like most people hate hearing myself on on tape, and and I don't think I'm. A great, uh, a great public speaker. So you know, I, I would rather win from a writing than, than podcasting. Tell us how you got into beer, um, and a, a little bit about what you, what approach you bring to your uh, Ale of the Time blog. So I started uh, the blog maybe five, six years ago, I think, and it was purely a bit of a fun uh, university project. I was studying in my spare time, and I had to start a blog. And I thought, well, I, I really like beer. Didn't know too much about the beer I was drinking at the time. Through that, I realised how much I enjoyed beer and how much I enjoyed learning about it, and um, sort of went down the rabbit hole, so to speak, of, of you know being somewhere like Gabs now and all these you know Britannomyces kind of beers and big hobby beers, and so yeah, that that kicked it off. Um, and I guess the approach that I take to it is, I guess pitching it at people like me, quite nerdy about it. You know, we, we do like I, I really like to discuss lambic and saison and um, the history of those. I find that fascinating, but also people that. I don't want to make it too nerdy. Um, I, I sort of want to try and make it approachable, and so you know you can kind of take something away from it, even if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and I guess being honest as well. Uh, I think that's that's important. I'm not always writing something positive. I have said some pretty negative things about some breweries, and I kind of think to have any credibility, you need to have some honesty there. Um, if I'm just going to go on social media and rave about every beer that I get, and to me that just becomes a bit meaningless. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a place for me to put my opinions out there and it, it turns out people like reading them so yeah that's great we're, we're in the midst of uh, good beer week or at the tail end of good beer week the start of gabs um which feels a little bit like the middle of uh, good beer week yeah um what, what's your take on good beer week we've seen a lot of the, the highlights a lot of the things what are some of the things you've noticed about you know perhaps some of the the, the negatives um of, of good beer week look it's, it's hard to say I, there hasn't been too many negatives that i've, I've seen um i think and one of the articles I submitted was sort of about the idea of um, excessive drinking and, and whether craft beer drinkers are, are doing, I guess, pretending that, that we are not binge drinking and, and in reality we probably are, you know, by the whatever the definition is of binge drinking, but not everyone is keeping within their limits. And um, I haven't really noticed too much excessive drinking. I think it's it, people are kind of getting more used to, to having beer with food and coming to an event enjoying beer rather than just being drunk for the sake of being drunk or... Attitudes are kind of changing, but I guess as a whole, you know, it's really hard to say. I'm pretty ingrained in the, in the craft beer bubble of, of, you know, us, us sort of nerdier end, and we spoke to some people that they're at Gabs for the first time, and they could sort of, you know, name four or five breweries that they really liked, and, and that was about it for them. And, and so it's interesting to seeing that, or remembering that there's still hundreds of people that are just getting into this, and not everyone is at, at down their rabbit hole. And so it's kind of hard to, I guess, give that opinion because we are, I am so ingrained in the, the whole thing. That said, the, 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 the uh, Good Beer Week brochure breaks things down into, it, it does want to cater to everybody. It's got the enthusiast, it's got the beginner, it's got food. But uh, t- taking your point about the excess, and, and that's something, I'm not sure whether you're a frequent listener of Radio Brews News, but that's something that Pete and I do seem to keep coming yeah. back to a fair bit. And uh, each to their own, but it does seem to be a theme that there are people who are willing to acknowledge that that's an ugly truth uh, about weeks such as this. And I mean, my personal um, approach is you know, you'll never see me tweet more than one or two beers in a night because yep. even if you know, 
when, when you are at a venue like this, trying a lot of different beers, you are going to push that, but it's that public celebration of excessive drinking or the people yeah, yeah. tweeting, planning on getting shit-faced tonight or next day, oh, you know, I'm so smashed and celebrating the yeah, excess. Yeah. It, it is my personal approach to it. Um, yeah. That said, I've, uh, I, I don't think there have been too many nights so far this week that I've uh, seen past midnight or uh, been in any blurry condition, so maybe I'm, I'm just growing up. Oh, yeah, and I think it might be the same too. I mean, coming into this week, both my girlfriend and I made sure to schedule in dinner at home frequently because I, I know that you know, you're at a pub, you have an event, you're, you're meeting old friends, you, you have three or four beers, and then you think, oh, let's just have dinner here, and, and that becomes a night. So for us... Um, Making sure we're sensitive about it is, is, I mean, it's a key to, to getting being healthy throughout a week. Um, it's actually good for you to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, have you taken leave this week or the way that some have? Yeah, yeah. So I took took the week off uh, my, my real job. You know, for, it's a good way to have a holiday and um, you know sleep in and, and go for breakfast out and that kind of a thing as well. So I kind of treat it as a bit of a what do they call it a staycation, which is a terrible word, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good Everything way to needs a label. Yeah, it's a good way to, to see Melbourne. You know, it's, when you live here, you don't get out and about that much. So I try and get out to venues that I wouldn't normally go to and um, do events that I wouldn't normally go to as well. So best event that you've been to? It's a hard one, but probably the Everly cocktail event they did. It was uh, they were mimicking uh, famous beers in cocktail form. So they had um, Bahn stuff and Hef, um, and they made a cocktail to to match that. Um, Sierra Nevada Torpedo. So pulling out the flavours like the clove and the banana yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and making so, constructing that through cocktail ingredients. So that one in particular they had uh, banana bread blended into the, the cocktail with some coriander, some rum and some bourbon um, and some egg white to give it that sort of big rich mouthfeel. Yeah, it was really interesting to, to, to watch that interplay of flavours and uh, the, the mixologist or the bartender said the flavours are going to arrive on the palate quite differently because of the, the carbonation's not there and a different way of getting them but we think the flavors are still there and yeah i think that they got it pretty right and um just what a, a fantastic idea for an event and you know that's a, a top 50 bar in the world kind of a thing and to have them exploring beer flavors without using beer was just amazing um, please tell me they weren't served in a uh, in a jar of any description no no jars involved <laughs> very nice glasses and that that was my first time going to that that bar and you know it's got such an amazing reputation uh it's a good excuse to to get there and, and try it and um, yeah they, they did not let me down they were, were spectacular just coming back to your award uh, for a last question what what does the award mean to you apart from an obvious uh, um, gold star for your writing and yep. you know, and plaudits for, for, for your work yep. what will it mean to, to you in uh, did you see a career in beer writing down the track uh, look I, I do I, mean, I would like to I think like everyone would like to make money from what they enjoy doing um, including but, those here at Bruce News yes <laughs> um, but I, I think doing it the way I, I do it does give me a bit of freedom to, to say things that I probably couldn't say in other channels, um, which I kind of enjoy. So for me, it's it's validation for something that I love doing um, and, and mostly do it for myself, that, that people are, are responding to it. Um, and I think it's not so much the award, but the congratulations from friends and, and people in the industry afterwards saying, you know, well-deserved is, for me, that's exciting. So Just going to that point of... Because it is it's something that we grapple with every day at uh, Brews News because we, you know, I went from being a blog to being something that was uh, aspired for something a little bit more. <laughs> do, do you think you automatically that, that there, there, there are conflicts set up by running something as a business that mean that you can't take a more robust? It's probably not. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, a pretty tough one. I sort of think 
with a blog, I can be a little bit more casual about it. If it was a business, I would probably be centering myself a bit more. And I think as I mature into it, I do pull a few punches. Um, there's some blog posts that I've written that I haven't, I haven't published, and I guess it'll look at it and think, you know, maybe it's I'm going to come off like a dick here, and, and that's you know not the way I want to do it. But isn't that just called having a filter? Like yeah, de- yeah. developing a filter as opposed to definitely pulling your know, pulling your punches and compromising. Yeah, aren't necessarily the same thing. No, no. Um, and and maybe it's just. I think for me at the moment it's just easier to, to have it as a I don't have to think too much about it you um, don't have to commit to it you don't have to promise to do something definitely, every day definitely and I, you know with my, my real job I still enjoy it um, I still refer to it as my real job so I must uh, take something from it so it's kind of a good to me it's a good balance to, to have um, a hobby that I can you know have a rant about on the weekend and, and do a podcast um, you know chatting about beer with some friends and uh, it's a good way to meet you know brewers and, and like-minded people but um, yeah, still, still keep a sort of sanity in a nine to five, so to speak, uh, job, and which teaches me a lot of things about, you know, um, I learn a lot in my real job as well. So I think that I still enjoy doing it. So yeah, and, and your real job is in the periphery of media, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a media analysis company, um, and so I work in the operations team there. So yeah, management, um, operations management, and things like that, and, and that's it's always interesting and challenging. So. I guess if I get to the point where I hate that, then maybe I'll, I'll look at you know getting getting some money for what I do. But a, you've written for uh, Australian Brews News in the past, so yep. maybe there's uh, something that we can do for you. Yeah, we have, cool. We've got an editor. But uh, Luke, congratulations on the very well-deserved win. Thank you, Matt. And uh, thank you for joining us on Radio Brews News. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So there you go, uh, Luke Robertson. Very nice guy. Uh, for Terrific a guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, just slid that one. I, 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 did, I did forget to uh, um, mention that yes, Luke was sitting beside me. He was named. Went off to get his trophy. Came back, and I said, "Where's your trophy?" I said, "They got my name wrong." So. We are seeing a tradition established, and don't you go changing Australian International Beer Awards. Now, um, Prof, we also, we are at GADS, we're on the floor. It's, if, if it seems very quiet compared to, to some of the, uh, the, the, the things we are in between sessions, and speaking of which, the bell you heard ringing at the start was a very limp-wristed bell ringing from Pete Mitchum 12 months ago. Um, Somebody was rude enough to come up and ask, does your husband ring bells? <laughs> well, 12 months ago, I was given the honour of uh, launching, I think, the second session of GAMS, and uh, you were very uncharitable about my bell ringing. I don't think I was. I th- I, uh, you were really? the one who called yourself a dickhead, okay. following the footsteps of Shane Warne. No, no, if you go back to the, uh, to the, the, the podcast and listen to last year's, you were very uncomplimentary about the uh, all right, man. Yeah, no fair call. Bell I'll cop that. Uh, yes, admittedly, completely I, different though. Because I had a much better bell. You did have a much better <laughs> bell. My bell end was shocking. It was. It, it was congratulations on cheap. Me. Yeah, I, I Plus, I, I've got, I'm going to have a word to management because, in all seriousness, I, nobody wants to ring the stop drinking and get out bell. They want to go the. I'm all lined up at the bar. <laughs> on your marks, get set. Here's the good bell. Get into it. But so no, you, they give me. Oh, there's nobody else around. Prop. <laughs> and you ring the bell to kick out. 
at least I got the Thanks, start Steve. of the session. But there is some honour. But we, we I, I just uh, just after the first session finished, I caught up with Steve Jeffers to have a little bit of a chat about how it's gone in ticket numbers. And we've got a sellout and it's going very close to selling out both sessions tomorrow. One Sun- already is and one is, is yep. sniffing at the door. And Sunday, there, there's, there, there is a chance. So Sunday's the biggest, yeah, the biggest Sunday we've, that, that Gabs has seen. So, so we far. will get this out tonight, listeners, but um, look, I would be planning, if you, if you haven't bought your tickets, plan on coming uh, Sunday. But here's uh, what Steve has said about what's worked this year and uh, what their plans are. This was probably seven or 800 up on my previous best Friday afternoon, which was last year. So all the numbers are just, uh, you know, this been amazing. We're kind of overwhelmed with the response. I think we expected a 9% growth. That was the best that we could hope for. But we were tracking at 68, 168, 180, 175% in the last couple of days. So it's great. It, it, it astounds me. This building was just built for this event, wasn't it? Forget Parliament, forget Australian history, it is just lends itself to uh, what you guys have put on here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I don't know if you remember, about three or four years ago, we came really close to pulling off what we thought was going to be one of the great craft beer halls of the world in the Melbourne GPO building, which is also heritage listed, I think. And um, uh, when we were looking for a venue for, for, obviously, for Gabs, I wanted something grand, impressive, and Melbourne's very, very fortunate to have this this building. And uh, I've been... In the course of research, inverted commas, I've been to a lot of beer halls in Europe, in particular, and uh, I a, think that when this gig, is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think when this is all dressed up like we do it, um, I reckon it's uh, hand on the heart one of the best beer halls in the world. When for those three days every year it's here. And I know that you've got the one of the 20 great beer festivals in the world out the front. And I think it's one of those listicles that they just need to sort of make sure they cover all bases. And, and it, you know, I've, I've been to Gabs, I've been to the Beerbana in New Zealand. Um, and I've been here um, at the major uh, events I've been to, and it really stacks up against anything else. So uh, congratulations. Well, li- yeah, well, listen, obviously, you know, I know, you know, we're, we're, we, you know, we like to be quite humble about what we do, but uh, I can tell you when we put things like Australia's Greatest Beer and Food Festival on a tram, or if we put on a billboard, because Beer Connoisseur magazine says we're the top 20, um, it sells tickets, and ultimately we need to sell tickets to make this uh, event sustainable. So... Um, it's not something we feel 100% comfortable with, I'll be honest with you, but it's something that we do because it sells tickets, and uh, that's, that's good for everybody. So looking around the floor, we've, we've still got the container bars, we've got, with all of the Gabs beers, we've got a, a really great selection of brewers who have taken stands, we've got a complete brewery system, which is new this year. What, as somebody walks in, very similar to last year. What is new? What should people go looking for? Um, well, the layout is very much, very much the same. We, we really felt last year, after tinkering with it for a few years, that we really kind of got the balance right, where the uh, the level of engagement of the brewer stands was was good. Uh, certainly, in terms, we've got probably another 20 brewer stands than we had last year. And as we always do, we try and get them to raise the bar. And I think that's something I, I, we're really proud of is uh, of the brewers as well, is that they've kind of risen uh, to the occasion of what Gabs is supposed to be about and uh, they're making them really interactive and visually appealing so that's really good the container bars are obviously very similar but one of the key differences that we've worked exhaustively on and we've invested time and money in is developing this system where we can give uh, people who attend here of which the vast majority are not beer serious beer fans um, give them cues uh, to know what beers to buy. And uh, listen, it's a very subjective thing. I know it's not perfect, but I think it's uh, the response we're getting from the traffic light system we've introduced this year and the other layers of, of communication and education is something that I think, uh, I believe, and certainly the initial feedback is that it's kind of really helping people and they need those sort of... Otherwise, 
this, all these beers no one have ever heard of. And the last thing I want as a beer advocate is to have people try a beer which they're all suited to, either because their palate or their expectation. And so uh, it's really important, I think, that we give those cues, not just at Gabs, but at the tap houses, and I think industry-wide. I think it's one of the things that, you know, I'm certainly very passionate about. And uh, so that's different, and the apps have reflected that. We've got beer and food pairings like we've never had before, and that's in the apps, both, both in the apps and on the... The, the uh, app is excellent. Yeah. Um, just uh, you download it, free app, and it really does... Enhance the experience. Yeah. The idea is that it's there to be a real valuable tool in your pocket, um, both obviously for tracking what you're drinking and rating what you're drinking and noting what you're drinking, um, in terms of uh, picking your favourite events that you want to attend and create and notifications. The food and beer pairings is this whole new element. Um, and of course voting for the People's Choice Beer. But um, So the food is something we've really wanted to ramp up. This year we said that we're a beer and food festival. So we really tried to, um, I guess, entice um, Food, food vendors that share a similar philosophy to what we do and what the brewers do. And I think we've succeeded most, in most part in doing that in Melbourne and Sydney. And um, you know, time will tell, but I'm very confident they'll do very well out of this weekend and they'll want to come back. And the idea would be as the, as the, venue, the patron numbers grow, is that we can get more brewers involved, we can get more food vendors. You know, there's a whole area up here that we could extend or expand to upstairs. Don't kick us out of our um, brewers views. Uh, you know, this will, will kind of have some sort of uh, sort of hazard tape around you. Um, and um, so, and then activities as well. Like we've got acrobats this year. We've worked really closely with little creatures to create more uh, engagement and entertainment. I guess ultimately we want to have an event that people feel spoiled for choice. It's a fun day out. You know what? Even if you're not crazy about beer, it's still kind of a fun day out. We really worked hard at bringing our price down this year. I think festivals in Australia, including ours, was getting on the expensive end, and I know... But they are expensive things to put on. I mean, you yeah. look at the, the container bars, and admittedly you get to amortise that cost over a, a length of period, but there's a huge cost in bringing stuff in. The tables, the chairs, the sound, the security... Oh, the expenses I, are huge. And, need, and we, you know, we, this is the first year probably we'll get our nose in front after three... This is our fourth year. Mm. Um, Sydney would be lucky if we broke even this year. Like it's, it's, we're investing in Sydney for a long-term play. We want to bring Sydney to two days because once you start going over two days, the costs kind of obviously spread. Um, but um, even the cost for exhibitors, for example, uh, you know, Melbourne is famous for its great quality food at a really good price. And you come here and you look at, you know, a wrap might be five tokens or ten dollars. Yep. But there's a big investment in people in in, in the uh, food vendors coming here and bringing their equipment and bringing their staff and they've got to cover that cost in a fairly in a relatively short period of time yeah listen some of the vendors do very well but it's spread across but i think both with the brewery stands and with the food stands is we work we want to get great people and we want it to be you know uh, worth their while um we also uh, don't i don't personally agree with the view, the view that uh, you shouldn't necessarily make money at a at a at a um at a festival, I think, you know, to, to be in front of 17,000 people, so I would happily, if I was a brewer, pay money to do that. But I think uh, we really try and price our uh, stand prices competitively. And um, I think that I'd be, well, everyone who came last year wanted to come back, and I'd be surprised if everyone this year didn't want to come back. So and I there think, is a uh, tension between that. If there isn't yeah. good food here, people won't come, or people complain about the lack of good food. If there's good food here, there needs to be a reason for the businesses yeah. to come and set like, up. Certainly last year was the first year we didn't give some of the food vendors uh, explicit instructions to have at least one item under $10. 
this year we re-implemented that. So we, it was important, and we also engaged uh, proactively with the food vendors to kind of explain to them that it's not in no one's interest uh, to have you know certain things that were fourteen or sixteen dollars necessarily that probably weren't worth that much. Um, so I think it's in their interest to come uh, down a little bit and have a spread of prices, and also. In doing so, come up with things which are quite simple to prepare and, and uh, from a cost point of view, are easier for them to manage. But I'm really thrilled with the food vendors we've got. I know there are other great restaurants in Melbourne who are passing through Gabs over these few days who are interested. I couldn't get them across the line this year, but I reckon maybe next year, well, the hope would be that we could get them across the line. So food is really important. And of course, the educational part, obviously, we're upstairs now and outside the Craft Beer College room, which has been there for every year but we've introduced this whole secondary education side so we've got profs area in the beer college which is you know is for the most perhaps more serious beer fan they're talking to brewers listening to panel discussions and the like um, whereas uh, the other side which is steel adventures in craft that's which is hosted by Kiralee the beer diva um, the idea behind that was to come up with more kind of consumer focused uh, consumer friendly events that are based around food and beer so we've got cooking with beer, pairing with beer, we've got chocolate and beer, we've got cheese and beer, all that kind of fun stuff. How's and that been going? I haven't actually seen, I've been watching the crowds going to um, Craft Beer College with Prof. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Excellent. Like, you know, as you said, Friday is normally our dress rehearsal, and, and as it was today, but the numbers for Friday just keep on growing. And I, to be honest, I don't know, do these people work or not? I'm not quite sure, because it's a big commitment to come out at midday for a beer festival. But... Um, all the attendances were very, very well attended, and you know that was the dress rehearsal. So the suggestion, you know, the idea is, or the the vibe is, that we're going to get full houses and craft beer college and adventures and steel, which is great because having two seminars, you know, with 70 to 80 people each, is obviously drawing people. And people are so, coming here for the beer, and as I've said yeah. you in the past, will people come up to go to a seminar we when they're them. here for the beer? We, so. we, we, it's part of the deal of the free seminars, which is included in the ticket price. First in best dressed is that you do get in almost every instance some free samples uh, so if the brewers are talking about their beers or if the, you know they're pairing beer with food uh, for the people who can grab a seat um, then in most cases they'll get some samples so that kind of helps a little bit I uh, certainly when we've got new ideas um, like like that concept two last questions yep. uh, we were between sessions uh, on the Friday night um, you uh, you're sold out. There's still tickets for the Friday night session. So There's a handful of tickets for Friday night, so tonight's session. Saturday afternoon is completely sold out. Um, so there's a few tickets left for Saturday night, and there's a bunch of tickets left on Sunday, for Silly Hat Sunday. So if you're uh, listening to this, uh, probably... You, might have, missed, you might have missed the boat, but uh, come for Silly Hat Sunday. That's one of my favourite events, and I know a lot of the beer fans quite enjoy the more relaxed uh, nature of it and obviously with the silly hats it's all a bit of fun as well and you're keeping your facebook page up to date so people won't so if you keep an eye on the uh, gab's facebook page people will know whether there's still tickets available we're just about to put something out now like uh, we just kind of getting confirmation from oztix our ticketing agent about exactly where we're at um, and it's always quite hard because we never quite because we sell a lot of uh, season passes um, we've got i think in total we've got about four five hundred season passes and we like to do that for those keen fans, um, but we also don't know exactly when they're going to turn up. So there's an element of uh, uh, calculation and maths as to, okay, what percentage of those people are going to turn up for what session? Um, but increasingly we're finding the average number of sessions that uh, season pass holders come to is actually increasing it. 
Like I think it was 3.2 sessions last year, and this year the suggestion is it's going to go up to three and a half. So there's wow. some very and, and I found out someone that's from uh, the internet the other day that there's a bunch of guys who are going to both Melbourne and Sydney sessions. So seven sessions in like nine days. It's in, it's insane. It's insane. Speaking of Sydney, uh, next weekend you're taking the well, it's hardly a camper or a bus. It's a the whole circus. How many truckloads of stuff? Go. Uh, well, we now, I think we own six or eight shipping containers ourselves, which are all second-hand, mind you. How but, many of um, them are going up? But the whole the whole surface is going to Sydney. Really? The yeah. only thing that's different, really, is uh, the uh, number of exhibitors. Obviously, when we're in town for the Melbourne's Great Good Beer Week and um, obviously the awards and the like, is that there's a lot of international brewers in town. Um, so when we go to Sydney, I think there's um, maybe 15 20% less standholders, um, which is not a bad thing in Sydney. We're kind of just testing the water up there a little bit, but... Um, everything else is, is uh, pretty much coming. I don't know if the brewery stand is coming up, but uh, yeah, we're not kind of scrimping. We want to kind of oh, bring well, the whole I, I, show. I thought it was going to be uh, oh, Gabs like, Light. It's no. a full, full Gabs. No, it's. If only you could take this building with you. Well, you know what? Yes, it's, this is a pretty amazing building. But once we saw, when we saw the exhibition hall at the uh, ATP in Everly, um, it was really cool. Like I'd seen carriage works before. Um, but this is kind of a step up from that, and it really kind of suits the audience that we want to attract to our event. So um, we're really thrilled to be there, and it's a very similar size, so we'll be getting similar numbers on both those sessions in Sydney. Um, and then, you know, hopefully if all goes to plan, we'd love to go to other cities around uh, the country, including your hometown. I was going to say, you were up recently, Check. Have you found potential venues, or is still...? Oh, listen, we've got a few options. Um, I think, you know, like, as you know, there's not many great big buildings that have heritage value or heritage uh, interest in there, there used to be Sydney. yeah apparently they're kind of being repurposed for other or just things. torn down or torn down sadly god that's that should be illegal um and uh, so it's the same with perth is that there's no like you can go find convention centers exhibition halls convention centers, those sort of things but they're all a bit sterile so we're kind of wondering whether we go into the city somewhere and put in a big park and for the first time maybe do it outdoors and of course you know june in in uh, in Brisbane, it's kind of like uh, summer in Melbourne. Oh god, it's 24 degrees. Yeah. Perfect, exactly. You, yeah. Everyone will be more worried about getting sunburned. Yeah, well, Night Noodle Market was there, uh, which was run the first time in Brisbane. Apparently, was a pretty good success, and they're going to come yeah. back. And they do in July, so uh, that kind of emboldened us a little bit. So we're exploring it, but we just wanted to see what the wash-up of Melbourne and, in particular, Sydney was. But it's certainly on the radar, and it's the, the event is kind of built to move from the very outset. Like we didn't have the ambition or the dream that. It has so become. I think it's kind of been more than we ever hoped it would be or expected it to be, but it's something that uh, we, we're ready to move. And obviously with the festival beers, it has to really be on concurrent weekends because, you know, we order five, six, seven or eight kegs from the brewers. Uh, that's the, the way we'd have to do it. Mate, we're between sessions. I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on Gabs and uh, all the best for the rest of the weekend and particularly for Sydney. Thanks, man. Thanks uh, for all your support. It's really, uh, you know, very much appreciated. News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers and with an open door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. In the garden.
garden, what a garden, only happy faces. Well, there you go, Prof. There's another, <laughs> what, how many is this in a row now? It's uh, eight. It's regular, 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 regular. It is. I think it's eight or nine. And and, and that is, it, thank you very much, our producer, Lockie Mac, McIntosh, who has been down here with us. Um, we, we've talking about Crowded House. Uh, Crowded House was named after uh, uh, the, the band sharing accommodation. We've got editor James Atkinson, producer Lockie McIntosh and myself in a very, you saw it yesterday, in fact, we had, we had the we had entire the Australian producer. We had our first AGM. And you had to shut the door meeting. and move a bed to the side and close the suitcase to get us all in the room. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was cosy, but it was comfortable. But if you would like to see, uh, yeah, listeners, if you would like to see, or and particularly, we we won't talk a little bit. You know, we do have an editor these days. We uh, we have runs on the board. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast are trade people. They either have breweries or they they are in the in the industry. If you like what we do, we're not too proud to sort of beg you for money or, as we say it, um, promote your product on our website. Um, one of the things that has set Australian Brews News apart from anyone um, in, in, in the Australian beer landscape is our approach. Some people might say it's a little bit <laughs> skewed. Um, well, no, well, no, no, quirky. Not skewed. Some people might have a, um, a different filter setting to us. But look, the, the, well, the, you, the, won't, you won't catch us calling a spade a garden implement, no, no, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, uh, it, it is something to take the head off a... Uh, <laughs> we are firm believers in the old adage that the proof of the pudding is the pudding. Yeah. But anyway, so if you do listen to the show, you're not alone. Um, and it, it's been really interesting, guys like Jamie Cook, Tim Lord, um, the, the number of people we've had on as guests over the last couple of weeks have come up to me and said this week, oh, you know, people have come up and said how much they listen to the program, and we could put you up here uh, too. Well, certainly not here, we go where the, the quality goes. But if you like us, support us. So, uh, Pete, it has been great to sit across the table for you for a change. We need to do it more often. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we, we should say a last shout-out. If you are coming to Gab's tomorrow, the end of the first session... Bruin Transfer, which is a shameless thing talked about trademark infringement. <laughs> this isn't an infringement. It, it, it is. A, you can't get a more blatant rip-off uh, unless no. we called it, this is the actual Bruin Transfer. No, no, it is a homage. An homage. It is an homage. <laughs> to come and come up and see us. If you do listen to the podcast, come and grab Pete and I and say there, there will, I can, I can guarantee there will only be standing room only. We've only got a 70-seat auditorium and it is first in best dress. So that, that's not trying to pump it up. And if you're listening to this after Saturday afternoon... Sorry. And, and we, we do have uh, Adam Ferrier, who is one of the great consumer psychology minds. He's a regular guest on the Real Gruen series. But we also have Tim Avadia from CUB. Yes. Some people might expect that to be like a, a cage fight. Um, Tim and I see down, but fascinating guy. Some genuine insights into the, the Australian uh, beer industry. Um, I'm not afraid to tell them sometimes where I think that their insights get it. I, I, they've got great insight and bad execution. But if, if you're interested in that, come and see us discuss that out at the Bruin Transfer. No uh, bars tomorrow. will be held. No bars, no holds will be barred. <laughs> it's been a long, good beer week, Matt. And on that note, listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we do have a genuine umpire band. So, Lockie, strike up the band. Please do a start drinking bell instead of a stop drinking bell.